Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Oh, Father, right now, we just worship you, God. We love you, God. We love you, God. We love you, Lord God. We thank you, God, for being in our life. We thank you that we can be invited into this moment, God, and worship you in spirit and in truth, God. We proclaim your greatness to the world, God. We declare you as a good God and the mighty God and the sovereign God. You are the God that does not scratch his head. You do not worry or get concerned about the frailty of men. You are sovereign and on your throne, and you cannot be shaken or thwarted. You are the mighty God and the everlasting God. And the Bible does not say you are just the beginning or just the end, but simultaneously you are the beginning and the end, God. You know all things and are before all things. We live and move and have our being because of you, God. So we enter into this moment, God, beginning a new year. But what is new to us is not new to you. For you have already encountered 2017. And you know what pain will come to us this year. You, you know what challenges we will face. God, you know us so well. You know our strengths and our insecurities, God. The quietness of our hearts, God. And so today as we come here, God, we ask that you would speak to us, God. Father, I cannot explain you. For men and women to grow in a relationship with you, they must have an encounter with you, God. I cannot just explain the Godhead. We must have an encounter with the living God, the real God. And so, because we're asking to encounter you, God, don't let this time be about a man. Don't let this be about a teacher. Don't let this moment be about a preacher. Let this be an encounter of the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit of the living God start to change our hearts and the way we think. Awaken us to who we are. Awaken us to who you are. And when we walk away from this place, we pray that we will have known that you spoke. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. 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 You can be seated. You can be seated. Praise God. Great to start off 2017 in the house of the Lord and being able to worship with you all today. Thank you guys for coming here and being here as we kick off this new year. It's exciting to come and be able to just open up the scriptures together and, and talk about God and learn from his word together. I'm excited because we are opening up this new year and uh, we had this going viral campaign and part of that campaign meant we have cameras here now. So praise God for this being videotaped. That means that you can go on the website and be able to access this video uh, weekly now and you'll also be seeing some stuff on Facebook, praise God. But that also means if you're not here today and you're watching this from your couch at home or on the train or something like that, praise God for having you here today. So exciting to being able to worship God and have this being teleported throughout 
uh, different places across the country and possibly even the world. Now, today, uh, we're entering into a new series, and I'm really excited about it because I think that one of the greatest obstacles for people to be able to encounter God is their perception of the church. And more importantly, I think that when I've talked to people and I've said, you know, what is your relationship with God or tell me about the Lord, they always start to talk about some way the church hurt them. Somehow the church didn't meet their expectations and failed them in some way. And so in light of that, the church distracts people from Jesus and keeps people from encountering who Jesus is. And in addition to that, we are in a season in this world, and particularly in this country, where we're questioning everything. I mean, there was a, you know, last year, one of the things we questioned is whether we should pledge allegiance to the flag. Not, not to say that whether that's right or wrong, I mean, I still do it, but if someone doesn't do it, I get it. But the question was, man, we never used to even ask that question. We're wondering, should we sing the Star Spangled Banner anymore? We, these are all things being questioned in our country. The history of our country is being questioned, the way that we look at things. But in the midst of people questioning things happening in our country, we're also asking the question, is Jesus still a viable option for people? Some of your friends are just wondering, why do you still go to church? Why do you still sing songs to Jesus? Jesus was only used to oppress people. Jesus only wants you to not drink and not dance. You know, that Jesus that I heard about, I had more problems growing up hearing about Jesus. I don't really want to deal with him. Jesus in our culture is essentially played out. He doesn't seem as useful as he once was. And the crazy thing about it all, to be honest with you, is that when I encounter people and they have that problem, the biggest issue is that they've definitely had bad experiences in the church, but rarely have they really studied the life of Jesus himself. I mean, a lot of times I find myself saying, okay, God, that was the church situation, right, 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 right. But Jesus, just tell me about Jesus. Tell me about you and Jesus. And so for a good portion of this year, we are just gonna study the life of Jesus. We wanna discover his life and know Jesus in a more palatable way, a way that we can not only talk about him but encounter him on a weekly basis. And so we're gonna be going through the book of Mark and I'm really excited about that because um, the book of Mark is a very quick book. And so what, it mean, what I mean by that is, is that Mark does not spend a lot of time detailing stories. He actually just gives you the story and moves on. And the reason why he's doing that is because he's doing it in essence a, a collection of greatest hits, right? He wants to do everything that Jesus ever did and he puts it all in this book. So he doesn't detail it a lot, but the good thing is that we have other gospels that are able to tell us more about those different stories. So Mark gives us a great chance to look at a lot of things that Jesus did. And so I'm really excited about that. And I pray that you get a chance to study up in the book of Mark, that I pray that you would journey with us, that you would spend time in the book of Mark this year yourself. You'd get more acquainted with that book. It would be your personal book that you study and you feel that you've got a handle on. When people talk about Jesus, you've got a place that you reference and go to in order to know more about his life. So I pray you get a chance to do that this year. Now, why in the world did they write down stuff about Jesus? Why did they write it? Well, interestingly enough, the first 30 years of after Jesus' life, nothing was written. It was just all oral history. People would talk about things Jesus did, but they never 
felt the need to write it down. Part of the reason why was because it was a, a history, it was a culture that moved through having oral history. They just said what people did. They never felt the need to write it down and to have papyrus and, and, and writing it with, with lead and all that. That was actually very expensive and these were all poor people. So to write something down costs a lot and they didn't have that luxury. So they had oral history, but then after 30 years, people started saying, you know, the people that had encountered Jesus are dying off now. And because they're dying off, we need to actually write this down. So what they did was they went to eyewitnesses of people that had been around Jesus and began to ask them, what did you see? But it's not enough just to ask you. They would ask tons of people what they all saw, what they all experienced. And they wrote those things down for one reason. They did not want people to make up a Jesus of their own. They didn't want people to reinvent who Jesus was. They wanted people to read about the real Jesus, the real Jesus. Interestingly enough, in our culture today, that's probably one of the biggest challenges. It's, 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 it's odd when I start talking about Jesus and people start saying things like, I don't think Jesus would do that. Well, wouldn't it be better to talk to people that were there, that were eyewitnesses, that they recorded the events? Yeah, but I don't think God's that way. And so the odd nature of that conversation is that there is a Jesus that people have in their imagination. And then there is a Jesus of revelation. There's a Jesus of the scriptures. And a Jesus that people actually went and tried to figure out what people said about this man and how people encountered him. Jesus, the real Jesus. You see, it's not cool to be a Christian anymore. Being a Christian now has problems. And it's easier and more palatable to be spiritual and to have Jesus be this banging teacher, but not the Lord, not one to be worshiped. And so because Jesus is easier to have as someone who taught well, we kind of minimize what he's done. And I wonder if Jesus came to earth today, I wonder how we would feel when we talk about Jesus and say, well, he was a great teacher. And I wonder what he would say because I think most of his life, what he tried to explain was that he was the son of God. And that, that would be a gross underestimation of how he made claims about himself. Jesus, we'll see, says he's the son of God. But interestingly enough, before I move on from that point, it's just, just, just this is for free. You know, I really didn't want to go deep into this. But um, <laughs> this, um, you know, when you make up Jesus, when, like, when people just kind of like invent what Jesus is like, interestingly enough, Jesus, the invented Jesus, always seems to agree with you. Like, the Jesus you create never contradicts you. And the reason why that is, is because it's you in camouflage. 
It's, it's you with divine clothing on. So just, I just want to, that's a nugget. I put that up there, but that's just for free. I wouldn't even want to go into detail with that. But the real Jesus is Lord and is to be submitted to, not just agreed with. And the, the tendency that we have is when we, again, when we invent Jesus, he inspires you to reach the goals you think you should have, but he does not transform you. The Jesus you create cannot transform your life. He can't, because he's really you. So I just want to throw that out there as a, as, a, as a way to kick off the series to inspire you. In, in Mark chapter 1, if you have your Bible, go there. Mark chapter 1, if you have an app or something, click on that. And then we're going to have it up there on the screen. Who is this Jesus? This Jesus that is historical and being spoken of. Jesus, Mark says, boom, he starts us off. Other books will talk about genealogies and they go into detail in this big introduction. He starts right off. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And there, already, the author, Mark, is pushing you to a decision. He's causing you to decide who this man is. Because Jesus Christ does not, like Jesus is his name, but Christ is not his last name. Christ is his title. Christos, that means anointed one. That means king, Messiah. And already, the, right out the box, it is making a claim that this Jesus is the coming Messiah to the world. And not only that, he is the son of God. And if you were Jewish at that time, even if it was 30 years later, if you were Jewish at that time, it forced you into a decision. Is this the Messiah that the scriptures spoke of? In other words, Jesus was making claims about himself. And the writers that wrote years after wrote those claims. Claims that he wanted to be identified by. You see, you can't minimize a man into something else when he's claimed something about himself. Either this is a lie or it is the truth. This, this, I'm glad, if this inspires you, praise God, but it is not just meant to inspire you, it is meant to rearrange your life. That this is the king and the king is coming to earth. The king who sits on a throne. That's the power of this text. Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. The author here, Mark, goes on and he actually puts in place what the prophecy about Jesus would be. In, he, he is quoting Isaiah 40 and we'll look at it in a second. It goes on and says, as it is written in the Isaiah the prophet, behold, I will send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path 
straight or paths straight. Already he is quoting Isaiah chapter 40 from the Hebrew scriptures with an intention to be able to say the Messiah, the one that was prophesied about in Isaiah 40, this is the guy. And he will say the one crying out in the wilderness is actually a guy named John the Baptist. He's the one crying out. Isaiah chapter 40, we have it up here. It goes on. In other words, that was a quote of Isaiah 40. But Isaiah 40 goes on to say this in Isaiah 40 and 5. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He quoted that. That text goes on to say, you will see the Lord's glory and you will not be able to deny the truth of who he is. You will see him for all his fullness. Now, again, we have to just understand context and culture to see the depth of this. The Lord, that word Lord is the word Yahweh. A Jewish man, Jewish woman, couldn't even say the word Yahweh. They couldn't even write the words Yahweh. They couldn't put that out in the community. He wasn't just spoken of in that way. So now, this Yahweh that we have heard of, that sits on high, that is glorified in heaven, this Yahweh will be revealed on earth. And we will not be able to deny that revelation before men. Well, if you were Jewish at the time, this blew your mind. You're like, wow, so, so, so he's going to come. And so what they imagined in their mind was this grandiose, powerful being that when he walked on earth, everything had to stop and everything had to change and people were forced into submission. And then they look around and they see this 30-year-old carpenter who grew up like they did, just as oppressed as they were. There is nothing special about him. In fact, one of the authors write about him that when they first see him, they don't even call him Jesus. They say, that's Joseph's boy. He was nothing special to talk about. He was not regarded highly in fifth grade. People didn't say, you're going to be something when you get older. No one thought this guy was a big deal. But all of a sudden, he comes on the scene and he starts doing miracles and he starts healing people. And he starts teaching in ways that had not been taught before. Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth and no one was able to deny his incredible teaching. You either denied him and rejected him or you followed and you submitted. Oh, you could not simply reject Jesus because the glory of the Lord was revealed. The, the amazing picture that we see here is when God and his glory is on earth, it means that the God of heaven comes down and reveals himself to the world. And this goes against everything we understand, everything we feel, because we know 
that servants have to bow before kings. We know that the boss is higher than the manager. We know that in all of society, those who are high must be approached. This is what you feel now because you work some kind of job and you quote unquote want to climb the ladder. You want to get higher in your industry. You want to grow more, attain more, be higher so that you can be regarded at the top and get all the accolades as the one who has everything. That's the way the world works. There are people at the top and people at the bottom, and if you're at the bottom, you got to reach the top. And here, the top came down. It came down to earth. And this is not, I'm not just saying this like this is part of life. This is every religion. Islam, there, is, there are five pillars you must accomplish. And even in the Jewish tradition of the Ten Commandments, you must be able to fulfill commandments. Every other religion, there is either some kind of piety that you have to reach, and you've got to do better, you've got to accomplish more, you've got to reach higher. Whether it's an eightfold path or five pillars, there's more that you have to do. And this is so different. This is not you getting better. This is the best coming to you. This is the top reaching down to the bottom. And he takes the initiative. There's nothing that man did in order for God to take that initiative. The glory of God is revealed and no one can deny the revelation of Jesus at the time and either you're rejecting him or you're accepting him but you you know he's not normal. And for those that would accept him as Lord, they know that this is the son of God and he has come into my path and I must deal with it. I got to deal with it. I got to deal with who he is. Great story in the Bible deals with this tension is uh, the story of the prodigal son. Some of you have read it or heard about it. Incredible story. I was with my dad this uh, past week. And some of you know I got daddy issues, praise God. And I had probably the best time I've ever had with my dad. We hung out, laughed. I mean, seriously, it was some of the best time we've ever had. And one of the things that we started to talk about was the story of the prodigal son, where there was this distance in relationship, and now you have relationship. And it made me think about that story, because it's such an incredible story, because the son completely rejects the father, and he runs off with the daddy's money, and then goes out to the city and uses the money, and it says he had loose living. They don't tell us what loose meant, praise God, but he had loose living, right? And he goes and he lives loose. And then after all that, you know, he, 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 he spends all his money, and then he ends up having to deal with pigs, and now he's in pig slop. Now, his daddy seemed like he was pretty rich, so he was used to palaces, but now he's in pig slop, and he's in there, and he says to himself, I ate better in my father's house. 
I'm not living up to what my daddy thought. You know, I tried my own way and it's not working. I took that money from my pops and now I don't know what to do. And so he says to himself, you know what? I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna get with my dad. I'm gonna go home. Yeah, I'm gonna go home. But here's the deal. When I go home, I know my dad's not gonna treat me the same way because I disrespected him. You know, I didn't treat him right. So here's the deal. In Luke 15, he says to himself, I'll rise, I'll go to my father, here's what I'll say. You know, and you, you, you've been in this situation before where you're getting your lie right and all that other stuff. <laughs> here's what I'm gonna say. Father, so he's, he's literally practicing what he's gonna say. It's so deep. Have you been in this situation before? Coming in late from the house, you know what I'm saying? You're out and, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. You see, what happens is he knows good and well what he has done. And he knows what he could have had. And so in light of that, he says, you should treat me like a slave now. Because there's no way you can treat me as one that's beloved. You shouldn't treat me that way. Well, he rises and he, he goes to his father. And the Bible says, while he was still a long way off. Oh man, what a great story. So the son is sitting there like, okay, he's practicing these renditions of what to say, and the father actually sees him a far way off. And he knows, you know, my son might see me, and if he sees me, he might feel like we can't be together, and he may feel these feelings, like he may think his failures will keep us separated. So this is what I'll do. He says, he saw him felt compassion for him, picture the scene, ran, embraced him, and kissed him. And he went to him. The father went to the son. And the son felt like, I'll try to reach my dad, but the father knew good and well, you can't reach me alone. You'll condemn yourself. You'll be guilt-ridden. So I will, and he says he ran to him. He ran to him. You cannot understand Jesus until you understand the picture of God's character and his nature. <laughs> that, that, that God is not looking for you to become more of a moral person because he knows you. And he's not looking to you to get yourself right. The beginning of the gospel story is God coming to heaven God coming to earth, rather, leaving heaven and being in the midst of sinful people, people that in no way, shape, or form should be in his midst. And they can't deny it. They can't deny the amazing glory of Jesus. God approaches us. Every other religion says you approach God. 
And it is you working your way into a greater relationship. And yet, the scriptures tell us it is God working his way to us. John chapter 1 in the Message Bible says that Jesus came and he moved into our neighborhood. That he wanted to be with us. And the other name for Jesus in Isaiah 7 is Emmanuel, God with us. So understand that this Son of God comes into our context. He comes into our world. And he comes towards us. He approaches us. Well, no one could deny who Jesus was. Either you loved him or you rejected him all the way. But if you read on in Mark chapter 1, it talks about what John the Baptist was doing. It talks about him being in the wilderness. John, uh, Mark chapter 1 verse 4, it says, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now later on, it's going to talk about John. John's a wild boy, you know what I'm saying? John's that dude that, you know, he probably didn't have a lot of friends, you know, just really committed, really driven guy, goes out to the wilderness, he's proclaiming stuff, he's got people coming out there, he dresses real wild, really just like kind of a unique look, you know, just you know, just, just kind of like, you know, just, 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 just weird. You know what I'm saying? But it just, it was different. You know that guy that's really committed? This is John. Like, he's that guy. He's out there, and he's baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance. Understand two things about John. John is in the wilderness, and the wilderness is not what we think when we think wilderness. Because when we think wilderness, we think wild. We think, oh, he's in the wild. We think deer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, isn't that what you think? Like when you think wilderness, you think lions or something, but you think forest. You think trees. That's what I've always read, like wilderness, like, oh, going in the wild. But that's just not, that's not this. This is a desert. And there is nothing out there that you're going to go see. No one goes and visits. You, you ever see a, you know, you might see a picture of a desert, but there's no people, right? The desert was this place that John began to baptize people in. And John must have at some point been in the city square and said, there is the Son of God coming to earth, and his glory will be revealed. And you, you know you must prepare your life to meet the living God. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet the living God? If you are ready, meet me in the desert. And people came. They came all the way to the desert. And it's interesting because... John was the only thing in the desert they must have went to see. Meaning that when they went out there, the only reason why they went was to encounter God. In the Bible, the Bible will often talk about a wilderness season that people will be in. Israel had to have a wilderness season that it was in, where it was wandering for years. A wilderness season means that you are encountering all these different things, but God is trying to get you to the place where only he is enough. 
And so he has people coming out to the wilderness and they're not going and visiting anything else. They're just there to get baptized. They're not checking other things out. There's nothing else in the desert except God and John the Baptist. There's nothing else. And if you want to encounter the living God, many times you have to go through a wilderness season where God gets you to the place where really you have nothing else. And he is the bread of your life. And he is your living water. He is the one that you stake your life on because right now, there is something in your life that if you say, well out, if I don't have this, I'll die. That's water in the desert. If I don't get this, I'll die. If I don't get it, I'll have it. And some of you have this accomplishment Deep in your mind, you know, they, they told me it's cuffing season, praise God. They told, you know, the interpretation of that is it's time to get booed up. It's time to discover Bay. It's Baywatch, right? And God might be the one you sing about. But the reality is, deep in your heart, you say to yourself, if I don't get someone, I'll die. If I don't have someone there for me, I'm going to die. I can't, I can't keep living life like this. And oftentimes, Jesus will keep you from that thing to know that he is the one that he wants to be long for in your desert. You feel like you're in a desert season. Then Jesus must be your water. He must be your sustenance. And, and so far, far too long, people create this scenario where they say to themselves, Jesus isn't giving me what I want. He's not giving you what you want because he wants to be the one wanted. He wants to be wanted. 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 Not forced. Not coerced. He wants to be wanted. And he wants to be the greatest thing you want. If I don't get to Jesus, if I don't have more Jesus, I'll die. Isn't that obsession? Oh, come on. My friends told me that, you know, they read this book. They saw this, like, meme online about Jesus and, like, Hotep. And, like, I don't know. I don't know no more. I don't know. I just, I'm struggling now. Like, wasn't this a part of, like, slavery? I don't know. I don't know. Jesus, like, what? I think my grandfather was a slave and he had, to, he had to say something about Jesus. I don't know. I don't know no more. Like, I understand. I get it. Jesus is not as cool anymore. He's kind of played out. But <clears throat> there's something about loving somebody. There, there's something about wanting more of Jesus that will actually push you through those distractions. And, and Jesus might not be as cool as he was in the 50s in this country, but it's like, I have to have him. I, I want him, and you're compelled to know more about him. And that's something working inside of you, and it's changing you, Jesus is changing you. And I just want you to know, there's someone here that needs to know, your, some of your friends are distracting you. So, some of your friends are distracting you from Jesus. And, I'm, and I want you to hear me. Do not reject your friends. Keep them, but reject their influence over your life. 
Let Jesus be your primary influence, so much so that you are filled with his presence and you begin to see them change as opposed to them changing you. Now, I didn't mean to go here, but let me just say this as well. Not all friends, none of those friends need to be rejected, but you may need to decrease the amount of time that you're spending with them and the type of time you're spending with them because they are a wholesale distraction to Jesus. And more importantly, if they are causing you to sin, then they are clearly a distraction to Jesus. See, you want to start the year off right. Right? You came, you, I'm going to go to church. Church, I'm in church January 1st, because you're first. January 1st, for you, God. Great. That's great. Praise God. You're here. You are here. And, and what I want to encourage you with is Jesus wants to walk with you in every trial this year. He wants to be with you. He wants to be so close to you. So I pray that you would just, you, you really would push your way through all the obstacles that are getting in the way of you knowing Christ more this year because he's available to you. This wilderness that John the Baptist is in, it's, it's amazing what he's doing. He's baptizing people. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know, I get the great privilege of studying the scriptures. And so when I do that, I get to discover cool things and share it with you. And one of the things I really didn't put in my mind as much as how, um, how much people were not accustomed to the concept of baptism. What people were used to was cleansings. So oftentimes, if you were a Jewish person, you would wash your hands before you entered into the temple. And so this was a picture of you kind of cleansing yourself as you went to approach God. But if you were a Gentile, you would have to not only wash your hands, but you have to wash your body because it was this picture of you being distant from God and needing to get right. But what John the Baptist is doing is he is taking people and immersing them in water and telling them that they are cleansed of their sins. And it's interesting because when John the Baptist is baptizing out in the desert, don't ask me what it looked like in the desert to baptize, but when he is baptizing in the desert, he is taking them and having them cleansed symbolically of their sins. In essence, what this did for them was it told them, I cannot cleanse myself. I must have someone cleanse me. If I had a dollar for every time someone told me that they need to clean themselves up, I'd be rich. And I get it. I totally get it. You want to get right before you come to God. I'm gonna get all my moral stuff together and get myself right, because I wanna be consistent. I don't wanna be like a hypocrite like them. I'm gonna be the one non-hypocrite up in there, boy. And this is what we do with everybody, right? Like, the more dignified the person is, the more we wanna get cleaned up. And the more favor we want from that person, the better we wanna get cleaned up. 
I mean, you know, I remember when uh, Natasha and I first started dating, you got that, um, that soap, that, 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 scent soap, that scented joint, the one that just got that pop to it, you know, just because I want you to know who I am. And you, you want to, you, wanna, you know, you want to get yourself right. And you get that good gum, that good, that don't, don't get no, don't play around because you don't, you know what I'm saying? You want that good stuff, take away all the problems. And I want to, I want to, I want to be fresh. I want to have my clothes fresh. I want my scent to be fresh. You know, because I want to put on a good first impression. Because when I want favor from someone, I want to come across like I have it together. But it's crazy 14 years later. <laughs> Been married. Waking up. Breath. Stanking. Just, you know, ain't no coolness. You know, you're just, ugh, walking in the room. Just, I mean, all types of scents and smells in there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because I know I'm accepted. And the greatest problem is that people think I've got to reposition the way that God looks at me to be accepted by him. And this is the concept of cleaning yourself up. I'm going to get myself in a position where God will accept me. And that is the absolute opposite of the gospel. Because the gospel says that while we are yet sinners, Christ dies for us. So while you're funky, and that halitosis is humalumin, and it's just, you are, in other words, if you were dating God, if you were dating God, you know, you ever meet a girl that's with a guy, and you're like, why are you with him? How did that work out? Does he have money? He's got money. How did that happen? How y'all get together? You could do so much better. God can do so much better than you. He can do so much better. He can do so much better. He can do so much better. And you're never going to be able to clean yourself up enough to be accepted by God. There is one that was clean, though. His name is Jesus. And Jesus Christ, he dies for your sin. He dies for all the things you do, all the things that we don't see, all the hidden sin, all the sin that you want to leave in 2016 and you swear you won't bring into 2017. He died for 16 and 17. He dies for all of that. And he loves you in spite of yourself. He knows you are a mess and he still wants you. You don't have to clean yourself up. You're not dating the Lord. You don't have to get yourself right. You don't have to get that, you know, that, that look. He wants you in spite of you. In spite of yourself, he wants you. How do I know? You know what the Bible says it goes on to say in uh, Mark 1.3? Before it says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And the way of the Lord and the paths that were being straightened out were 
historically what was done for a king. You never ever heard of like the king's highway. What would happen is historically a king, because he was a dignitary, would have a road made for him. So they would carve out a place for the king to come with his chariots. And if there was a canyon, they would try to fill parts of the canyon up so he could come across. In other words, they would try to straighten out the path because here is this great dignitary going to his place of power. Well, where did Jesus go? When they made his path straight, where did he go? Jesus, his path is through the life of men and women, and where he ended up was not in a palace. Where he ended up was not being praised by the Roman citizens or even praised by his own. Where he ended up, where he went on his path, was to a cross. And we don't understand the beauty of the cross or the ugliness of the cross. Jesus Christ, this historical man, was naked, embarrassed, bleeding on this cross. It was one of the most embarrassing ways to die to be seen in front of hundreds of people. And it was a picture of powerlessness. And he struggles, and he dies of asphyxiation. He chokes on his own blood. This pathway he had wasn't to a throne. It wasn't in a place where he needed to be lauded and, and told how great he was, he went to a rugged cross to die for sins. See, that's why I'm comfortable around him. Because I know he knows how grave my sins are. I know he suffered greatly for my sin. And so what is our response? You know, Jesus, you know, I heard he died on a cross. It's cool. He's a good teacher. He teaches some amazing things. Yeah, he did. I know he performed some miracles, right? Like the walking on water thing. Yo, that had to be crazy. Water to wine? Amazing. He did that. True. But the pinnacle of Jesus Christ is the Son of God died for our sins and made a way for us to be in relationship. And in light of that, we are humbled to be in his presence. A great teacher, I sign up, I go to his class, like, give me some new stuff. Drop that new thought on me, Doc. Like that, Doc? Yeah. Inside joke. A good teacher is like, give me more but this Son of God knows everything about me. And in verse 7 of Mark, this is what Mark says. And he preached, saying, After me 
He who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. Wow. Do you remember the story of the prodigal? The prodigal says, I can't be around my dad anymore. He knows what I did, and I just can't do it. And the father runs to him and says, son, I love you, and kisses him. And here, John says, there's coming one. And John the Baptist is talking about Jesus. And he says, I can't even be around him to undo the latch on his sandal. Now understand that at that time, you would take a child or a slave and they would be the ones to undo the sandal, to take it off and wash the feet of those who had come in from the dusty roads of Jerusalem. You would wash their feet and you would take the lowest person in the home to wash their feet. The slave or the servant. And the prodigal says, I cannot be considered yours. Treat me as a servant. And John the Baptist says, I shouldn't be around this guy. I mean, this is the son of God. This is the glory of God revealed. I shouldn't even be in the room. I shouldn't even undo his shoe. I shouldn't. But I can. I shouldn't be around God. He can do so much better than me, but he still wants me. I should be rejected for the things I've said and done. I shouldn't even be here, I'm lower. But as low as I am, he has come and reached me. And I want you to hear the story that should define your life in 2017. That no matter how low you feel your sin has taken you, Jesus will chase you down. And one poem called him the hound of heaven, chasing you down, chasing you down. And you run because you don't feel worthy. And he runs after you, and he loves you, and he died for you. In the secret places of your heart, you feel so unworthy. And many of you feel unloved, and underloved, and undervalued. And I want you to know that if the Son of God died for you, you aren't cheap. The Son of God died for you, you are not cheap, my friend. You have intrinsic value. And I pray that 2017, would you make a commitment? I won't run from you. I won't run from you, God. I just will not run from you. The Bible says that you are a strong tower and the righteous run to you. And everything inside of me 
because of my failures, wants to keep distance because I'm not worthy, but I know your son died to stand in that gap, so I'm going to approach you. I'm going to approach you, and I'm going to keep coming back. Last story, and just hear me. Um, I, I, I hate it. I preach at the same place every week, so I tell the same stories, but it's very appropriate. I, um, I started a fight um, at a, uh, it, was a, it was this cabaret, and I started a fight, and it was just silly, and I was drunk, and I was yelling, and, but I used to go to Bible study. So somebody thought it was a good idea to give me the microphone to calm people down because they saw me in Bible study but I was drunk. So I just get on the mic and I'm yelling all types of stuff, like I'm gonna kill everybody. And it was so embarrassing. It was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. I go to church the next day. People are looking at me like I'm that dude, because this is college and everybody from the club was there. So I'm there and I'm like, oh dang, shoot. And the preacher says, if you want Jesus in your life, just come. I was the first one up there. Because I knew, I, I, I knew, I, I just, I, I messed up. And I walked up to the front and they prayed for me. And then the pastor took me out to dinner after. And we went out to dinner and we talked. And I remember he dropped me off at my apartment. And he said, James, hear what I'm about to tell you. I know that you messed up and you feel horrible. And you're committing now. You're going to do it. You're going to keep coming to church. But you're going to fail again. You're going to fail again, James. And I want you to hear me. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Because he loves you. And it was from that day on, I just kept coming back. And I still hear the echo of his encouragement. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep coming back to him. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you that Jesus is so powerful and available. God, Keep these people coming back. Back to you, God. Back into your arms. Back into your presence, God. Keep them coming back. I know that there are deep, deep, deep stories that we're believing about ourselves that tell us we are not valued and not loved. Help us to push through those lies to hear your voice. And let 2017 be the year not marked by celebrity deaths or elections. Let 2017 be the year I got a little closer to Jesus. I pushed through all my doubts, my anxieties, and the things in my head and heart, and I got closer to Jesus. Let this be that year. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. 
please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.